Okay, I am so excited to have Jesse, not Nick Neese, not my student, but Jesse Showalter here. Um, I'm, I've tried to wrangle him down and finally I've gotten him on the show. He is, has so much energy. He wears a ton of hats as we all do as uh, solopreneurs. He's had an uh, amazing um, trip through the, the world in our life and you've hit stumbling box, but I love wow. how you come out and how you, um, how you bounce back, but how you can always see the positive. Uh, anyway, you just have such a great attitude and I'm Thank so, you. so, so excited to talk to you about some of that stuff and to talk to you about just how life has changed and how you're continuing to grow and learn. So if you don't know who Jesse is, he is a product designer, UX designer, UI, he does web, he teaches, he's an online educator. He's a YouTuber, um, which my mom probably doesn't know what he has a YouTube channel. Mom. I hate that. I hate that term. That's anyway, I, I, am, I am that thing. I hate that term. OK, he has he he has like me. He has a channel with a lot more people that follow him. So please uh, uh, follow him and make sure you know that I'm also on YouTube. Anyway, I'm just kidding. OK, so just so everybody knows, make sure your two says to everyone, not just hosts and panelists. Um, that then that way we all can talk to each other. And um, anyway, it's better. It's more fun if we can talk to each other. So this is episode 387. And Jesse, I am diving in. So can go. you give us a little bit of your background about how you got into design? Sure. Did you grow up in Texas? Ah, no. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in Northern California um, and had zero interest in art, in design, in any of that stuff. Um, I played music. So I guess that is a form of art. And then I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17. I left home, uh, got stationed in Hawaii, loved it there, uh, did four years, got out and then stayed there. I was playing music, playing in bands, releasing albums, touring a little bit, and then uh, fell in love with uh, a, a young lady who is my wife now, been married for 13 years. Uh, but I literally uh, fell in love with her, fell in love with Jesus, life changed, everything shifted. And I was like this guy coming back from tour that had nothing but a guitar and like a backpack of clothes to my name and wanted to marry her. But I was like, I ain't got no money. This is really awkward. Um, and so I was like washing dishes and waiting tables. And what did you do in the Marines? I was in the infantry. I shot rockets oh. and missiles and stuff. So not very applicable to the outside world, which is why I ended up washing dishes so, um, and waiting tables. And I was doing that. It was fine. But she was the first person that said, uh, you know, hey, Jesse, you're a fairly creative person. You could do something with creativity for a living. She's a photographer, a tattoo artist, um, a painter. Yeah, she's done your I saw a picture yeah. of her doing one on your back or yes. And your face looked like, oh, but I'm pretty sure she's pretty good at it. Yeah, she's really good at it. Uh, she actually she retired. She tattooed for about 14 or 15 years. So just this amazingly creative person and was able to overcome my lack of confidence. Like, no, I could never do that. And um, we got me set up with a bootleg Filipino copy of Photoshop 7, which sorry, Adobe, totally real story. And I just started making horrifically bad. Like, like how old were you? I how was old? 24 at the time. Uh, maybe 25. And I just started making these horrible band flyers. And I like, she taught me the little bit she knew, like she uh, got a degree in industrial design um, in art school. So she had taken like a Photoshop course and she was like, I'll just show you what I know. And then you just do stuff. So I just started being like self-taught teaching myself. 
um, and then reading lots of design blogs and just making everything too much drop shadow, way too much grunge texture, five, five gazillion fonts on every single flyer. It was atrocious. Um, but people let me make bad stuff for them. And that was really the start is uh, people letting me make bad stuff for them. I got an internship uh, at my church. And I was in where was where were you in the world? All now of this, this was point. in Hawaii. All this is happening okay. in Hawaii. Did so, you meet Mario in Hawaii? I met Mario in Hawaii. Mario Quesada was actually one of my first design mentors. So he was the first person that helped me open Illustrator and put text on a path. I remember that distinctly and just going, I don't. I don't know what's going on here. And he was like, it's all right. Try it again. Do it again. Like do this again. So spent a lot of time with him. And then um, I was in Hawaii working at my church, like uh, as an intern. And I parlayed for money. That no, it was, I was oh, doing, yeah, it, for doing Jesus. it for free, doing mm. it for Jesus, doing mm-hmm. it for free, doing it not for the gram. Cause that wasn't around yet. Just doing it to do it. And um, I parlayed that into my first full-time paid gig at a tour company in Hawaii. And I was doing traditional like print design. So like rack cards, brochures, like any stuff that I could get my hands on. And um, I think I was doing that for about four or five months. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is okay. And then they they said, hey, we need you to make a website. And I was like, I don't know how to make a website. What and year like, was this? What year? Golly, you- this must have been 2009. Oh, so not- it's okay. So it's still like. It's rough. like you're t- I'm doing it. Maybe. Oh. maybe are you doing it in tables? And yes, CSS? I'm doing it in Dreamweaver, okay. like table based layouts, like the buttons are all gelled, like it's Web 1.0. It's horrific. And then also on top of the hur- like there's three things working against me, like just web design at that time was atrocious. Number two, I'm still kind of like drop shadow grunge texture guy. And then number three, everything in Hawaii had to have like a plumeria on it and like Hawaiian texture and papyrus font. And it was just like three levels of design hell that I was just like trapped in at that time. (laughs) And, but I realized I loved making websites a lot more because the iterative nature of them. And I, and so I just, again, I made really bad websites for a while. And then I parlayed, I, I left there. I was doing freelance. And again, here's another layer deep of like, horrificness. I don't know how to freelance. I don't know how to talk to clients. I think the first client I ever had, I built a website. They were like a, like a nonprofit, like school of some kind. And I made a website and they went, how do we update this website? And I went, download Dreamweaver and you do it. And it was like the worst thing ever. And that was probably the start of the biggest amount of growth. When I started freelancing, like being a solopreneur, um, was like, I had to learn everything. I had to learn how to talk to clients. I had to learn how to like sell. I had to learn how to hand things off and make them usable. Um, and then my next gig was like a marketing agency. But don't you think, wait, I have an interrupt yeah, for a yeah. second. But don't you think being a server helped you be able to talk to people and uh, anticipate their needs Yeah. before? Yeah, I, I think so. I think if you, anything that you can do in life that um, my grandfather told me this, Uh, when I was like five years old and wanting to make friends my first day of school, he said, bud, interested is interesting. And I was like, okay. So like, I wanted to like make friends. He was like, just be interested in other people, ask them lots of questions. So that's always kind of been a thing for me when I'm making friends in new places. I've traveled lots in the military and out of the military around the world. I just ask tons of questions. Who are you? What are you about? Like, that's really cool. Why do you like that? And that was the same thing of being a server. And it turned out being the same thing as 
being my own sales department as a freelancer, which is I need to, I need to ask you good questions. I need to be a good listener, an active listener. So long story short, I did that. I've take, I took some years off and I did like full-time vocational ministry, jumped back in, I worked for a startup, jumped back out and went to full-time ministry. And now I'm back in full-time freelancing right now. So um, boy, it's been, that was the longest ever possible way to tell that story. I think that's okay. I like, I like long uh, stories. So that does sound like a lot of um, confidence uh, busters and also builders, right? I yeah. I think uh, one of my Bible studies this week, or I don't know, they all kind of run together, but uh, it, you know, in the little Bible app in the morning. Um, but it was talking about how um, the it's not that you're just super confident, or maybe I was talking to Rachel about this. Anyway, Rachel, I'm clearly messing you up with my Bible study, but. Anyway, it was really good, whether it was Rachel or whether it was somebody else. Um, but it was about that if I keep um, if I keep trying, I will get more confidence because every time I fall down, I fa- figure out another way to get back up. Right. And in web, I, I started in 2005. Totally. My husband was like, you should do this. And I'm like, I do not want to do this. I was so adamant. I didn't, I want to just do print. I didn't want to do web. And really that is where I make the most money in web. And mm-hmm. I love helping people get a clarity on, on who they are and how they're projecting themselves because people are, are hunting for you and you need to have your stuff in a way that people understand. So yeah. I, I love, I love that. So, okay. So you, you travel, like at what point did you marry your wife? Uh, so my wife and I got married in 2009. Um, so when you started I, web design, yeah. So it was like all, all this happened. Like I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with my wife. We got married. I started doing this thing. We had a, our first baby, like everything just, there was this like, and there's three or four years of life that was like, I don't know if I'm sleeping at all. And I'm excited about it all. And it just was this massive shift. That's kind of kind of been what the Lord has always done with me, um, whether it's my career or family or whatever, it's throw you in and like full speed, right? Like if I started volunteering in like student ministry, I did student ministries for like almost a decade. And it was like, you know, my first weekend, they were like, we need you to teach a bunch of junior hires. I was like, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know anything about this whole thing. You don't want me to teach them. They're like, yeah, go ahead. And it was horrible. I think the first Bible study ever taught to like a bunch of 11 and 12 year olds, a 12 year old like came up to me after it was like, Hey, that's really, you did a really good job. We really appreciate you're here. Everything you said was wrong about John chapter one. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. And that's kind of how it's all been, right? Like the first time I ever delivered a website, the first time I ever liked anything, like tried to sell like a website package or whatever, it was all just bad, but I'm willing because I've, if I've learned any lesson over the years, it's that um, if you wait around for it to be perfect, uh, you'll just, you'll be waiting forever. So you might as well dive in and do it bad and get through the bad and then move on. YouTube really taught me that. Like I am, I feel like pretty soon I need to go back and make some videos where I like watch my first and second YouTube video ever. Just cringe at how horrific I was. Like the whole time I'm like looking at the, the, not at the lens, I'm looking at the screen and I, I'm tripping over my words and I don't, the whole thing's just so bad. And 
but I had to make like 20 or 30 really bad videos before I realized like, okay, like maybe I know how to make kind of a good video now, like a de- not, a, not a horrendous video now. And that's just the process of life. So I feel like now I have this ironclad ability. If somebody's like, Hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, sure do. And I'm going to do it like really bad 10 times. And let's start doing that right now. And that feels okay to me. Um, I'm more okay with that now than I ever, I ever have been. But I think one of the things that just from I'm pulling from this is that you're a great storyteller and that you get excited about just trying and you're okay in the exploration phase and that you're you don't have to explore just in the closet until it gets perfect. And Mario's here and he said your first videos were bad, just so you know. That's well, he would. But he did say you were handsome. So he was was around when I was making the first ones. I was like, Mario, look what I'm making. He was like, "Okay." (laughs) but I think I think that's it. I think it's just like that kid, the 12 year old who was like, hey, you know what? You did a good job. Like we need the 12 year olds to tell us that. But we also need somebody that's going to be like, hey, you know what? Moses wasn't in John chapter one, buddy. Uh, Not at all. So uh, keep going. Right. Demi's Demi's here from Greece, uh, soon to be in London, I think. Right. So um, just saying hey to everybody who's popped in. I'm glad. I'm really glad to have you, Jesse. So you have had a ton of experience I love that you just attack it. Was confidence? This isn't on my question. Sorry. Sure. Was good. confidence a, ever a problem then? I mean, if you did you ever like if your grandfather was telling you, hey, buddy, just be interesting, interested, not interesting. That's amazing advice. Yeah. But did you ever struggle with confidence? Um, so I've had those seasons of my life where I didn't know what a lack of self-confidence was. I had too much confidence to my own detriment. And that kind of capped out (laughs) probably as soon as I entered the design space, because all of a sudden it was the, it's probably for a lot of people, it's the first time you ever put something up on the wall and let people run red marker through it, like Mm -hmm. willingly. And you're like, ah, like that's a really crazy feeling. And then at the same time, I feel like I got that double dose, right? Because I came to know Jesus and like you open up the Bible and Jesus lovingly tells you, Hey bud, that's no, 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 no. That's you're what you're walking in. You're walking in that wrong. You're like, ow, mm. like the, does the rest of the world like expose themselves to like chiseling pain like this? And so that got, that confidence got knocked down and then it fluctuated and it's really struggled. I actually, I would say in the last few years, I've struggled with imposter syndrome, which is just a big new fancy word for like self-esteem issues more than I ever have in my life. Um, and it's probably because of um, the number that grows on YouTube makes me feel like I should, as it grows, I need to be better than I am. So mm. numbers are like this dangerous thing that play with your mind and your soul um, and make you feel unqualified. Right. And mm. there's a, there's a way probably for that to be healthy and humbling and like, you know, and motivating. And there's also a way that that becomes like a weight and it can crush you. So that's been a struggle for me. Um, I'm by no means famous. Nobody's ever, ever recognized me. That's not a thing I'm talking about. I'm just saying my own thought process about the number, it it can be kind of like analysis paralysis for me a little bit. Can you not look at the number? I can, I, I try to do that every day. Um, and then something always leads me back to look at it. Right. Because Mm. I'm also the type of, it's this real rub for me where I'm the type of person 
that I like facts. I like metrics. That's why I like UI and UX design so much because I can base it off of facts and not feeling and all that kind of stuff. So I look at things, I look at metrics and analytics. And when I look at my own, then I go, oh, I wonder if mine are as on point as other people. Let me go to socialblade.com and compare my channel to somebody else's who said, oh, look, they're kind of, their charts kind of angling up. Pat, what am I doing? And then I just fall into the trap. But so don't I'm really- you think? Don't you think some of the wonderful parts about you and your channel is that you are honest and real and that's the emotion and that you're willing to be you and that that's not really a metric. And if if you are less. If you are less um, you, then maybe your numbers would like you got to that number by being you. Right. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe the number you need to see is. Was I me? Okay, great. That means I'm more people. And I don't think it has anything to do with you. I also believe that Jesus brings those people to your channel. Yeah. You could, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I think that the, the mature me, the, the moment of clarity me says, just keep being you, Jesse, right? Like that's what matters is like the whole reason I started the channel was to try to help people. Like mm-hmm. was, I, I remember being 25 year old Jesse reading Photoshop blogs. And I'm like, this is my way of doing this. I hate writing. I don't want to blog. I can vlog. I can talk, right? I can tell a story. I can screencast and share with you something I'm doing. So this is going to be my way to help and and love on people and share with people. Um, And so moment of clarity, Jesse just says, just not everyone's going to like you, dude. Like, that's all right. Who cares about the number? And I try to keep that in mind as much as I possibly can. Well, I know Mario has to tell me this all the time uh, that um, that's it, it's not that I, I don't even look at the numbers. I couldn't tell you. I know I don't have it. I don't even think I have, no, I think I have a thousand. I think I finally got to a thousand people on YouTube. So this really isn't going to be helping you, uh, Jesse, get your numbers up. But I appreciate you doing my podcast with me. Yeah, love it. But but I think that it's it. I think that my dad always would or still says it's not like he's dead. But he will say, he'll say, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, I think, said this. If you were better today than you were yesterday, that's growth. And that's I think, you know, I just don't think everybody finds everybody. And I do believe that I'm here for the people that that show up. And I remember one time I nobody came and I was like, my mom didn't even show up. And I was like, but I had forgotten to hit like go to webinar. Yeah, so I was just doing the whole thing. And I was like, and because I was doing it alone that day. But I think that for me, when I watch you, it feels like I'm your friend and you're bringing me along and you take me on, you take me go karting with your kids. And you <laughs> tell me that you haven't been on a vacation. And this was like a year ago or a year and a half mm-hmm. ago. Right. And but uh, and you had gotten let go from your job and everything was like. I mean, it was yuck. I couldn't believe you were still going on vacation and you were still going to take your kids go-karting that afternoon. Like, I was like, whoa, that is somebody who's like, you know what? I'm committed to this. My kids deserve a vacation. It's been three years. We're going to do it. Even though I thought that was. Anyway, I just think that's that's the part I love. I love the blog stuff. I love that you're teaching. Like, I'm like sitting oh, how do, what don't I know, you know, but I think that we're not supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to right. learn some stuff from you and maybe you learned something from me. Clearly not about getting a hundred thousand subscribers. That is not what I can help you do. But, um, but it's just about, I think it's just those, 
it's just you being you. So if anything, hey, Jesse, you're doing a good job. And everything you've said is good. And right. I don't I I honestly I don't think I could help you get 100,000 subscribers because at the end of the day, like I break all of the rules. Like I I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, I noticed like all your thumbnails are consistent. That like breaks the rules of like the the advice of like YouTube. Right. I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know. (laughs) So like I feel like I just I just uh, just kind of stumble forward and just keep doing it my way because at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm happy. I'm happy with how it's turning out. I'm happy that other people are happy. Um, and but that they're it- not coming because of your thumbnails. They come because of you and what you're teaching and what you're, how you bring them in. I love that. And so, and you ended up, you started a, a new community, I think three weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But okay, so you've been growing your YouTube audience. Obviously, you haven't had a plan. You've been just trying things. You've been being you. You do look at the numbers. But it's just that's, you know, some people like Cheetos. You like to look at the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cheetos, like not cheating. Cheetos, you know, something to eat. I don't know. Like the chips. I love Cheetos. Yeah, 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 I do too. Puffs are regular. Um, Any Cheeto, anything that's uh, unhealthy cheese. (laughs) I'm probably going to go cheese for it. Even? Is it even? I don't know. I don't anyway, know. I, I also like Cheetos as well. My mom never bought puffs. Why, mom? Why didn't you ever buy puffs? Anyway, we just got the regular Cheetos. I like this too, but you know, the orange fingers. Okay. I think uh, you have three kids, two kids, three kids. I have kids? two children. I have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, one boy, one girl. They're fantastic. They're amazing. They're super duper funny. Um, and I love them to death. Okay. And they liked the go-karting. They like, they like doing, they just like doing stuff and they're, they're super fun and they like doing fun stuff. Like when all their kids, their friends in the neighborhood, cause I live in a court that has like 18 other kids living in it and all of them come outside and all they want to do is like play on their phone. My kids will just come back inside and be like, they're doing lame stuff. We want to do fun stuff. Um, so, um, I, I'm proud of them that they like cool things. Like they like to play board games. They like to, Mm. we like to sit around, listen to music. Like we like to have Nerf gun fights and we like to just do all sorts of fun stuff and like be outside. And even if we're inside, like we like to try to be active and be imaginative. So they're, they're an absolute blast. So can you, can you take me through that day when you did that vlog? And I think it was the whole week. Like you kind of do your vlogs in a week. So you were like, I can't, you couldn't talk about it very much at at that point, Yeah. but then you still took them on vacation. And so what, that's the mindset stuff that it's like, how did you not like, like I, Hey honey, I can't do this. Like I got to like hustle this week. Yeah. Well, uh, so I, it was the first time we ever took a family vacation, Right. Uh, we'd been planning it for months, um, hoping for it and praying for it for years. And we ended up choosing to take the kids to Disneyland. So I was like, mm, do my kids want a college education? Disneyland, we'll take you to Disneyland. That'll be fine. So we took, so we already had it paid for, packaged, planned, the whole thing. And so I found out on a Friday that the startup that I was working for uh, just like couldn't afford me anymore. And they're like, hey, we're downsizing. We've got to let you go. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just not working out for us as a company. I was like, okay. Um, so I literally walked back inside on Friday and, and cause they called me and just said, just stop everything. Just drop everything. I'm sorry. We have to say we're all done. I was like, Ugh. so I told my wife and she's like, okay, I guess we got stuff to think about while we're on vacation. I was like, we sure do. <laughs> so 
um, that's, I thankfully I have a super duper amazing wife who anytime I've ever had to quit or leave, or there's been a massive shift in life. Her response is, okay, you want to go get pizza? You want to go to the beach? Should we go on our Disneyland vacation now? We'll figure it out. God will figure it out. So I'm really thankful that I have her. Um, what do you do inside? What oh, was your, I, st- I, stress. Amaz- I stress out. I freak out. Is um, this means sweating? You were this, like, sweating yeah, yeah. I'm, from I'm sweating your profusely. I'm like, <laughs> I, I get like knots in my stomach and like, I'm the type of person that like, if I'm really anxious, frustrated, something like that. Um, my wife would be like, do you want to pray? I'm like, no, she's like, all right, I'm just going to pray for you. You're super stubborn. Let me just put a hand on you and pray for you. So I'm the one that takes on like the strain and then she's the one that comforts me. And then we get together, we form a plan and we, we move and we execute on it. So well, what uh, was your, what was your go-to when stressful things happened before you met Amy? Uh, be- before I met Amy um, or Jesus, I don't know what the, yeah, before I met Jesus, it was probably like drinking and drugs. And <laughs> like, I'm going to be really honest. I was like playing a lot of punk rock and heavy metal bands. And it was a lot of, a lot of that. And so I would just go to something to kind of numb Mm. Uh, but my, my, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to go to Amy because she's going to be my conduit that, that reinforces and leads me to prayer, leads me to Jesus. I'm going to go to him. And really I've noticed like, um, I need to breathe. I need to slow down and stop hyper-focusing on my stress or the thing that's in front of me, the barrier, the wall, and instead realize it's always worked out. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. Okay, there's worse things. So let's look forward with an open mind um, and and start problem solving a little bit, like um, humbly problem solving and and with open hands, not holding anything mm. grasped too tight, but instead with open hands, ready to receive whatever's next. Right. So that's that's what I tend to do now. So that's a really good point. I love I love the insight of what you used to do, the numbing or whatever. Go to something else, and then now you're like you're able to look at the past and see that nothing has ever crumbled. Nothing has ever, Hey, I've been resourceful. I am a good problem solver. So there's confidence in that, but it's also, if you're alone, you can go into yourself and it can be bad. Right. So there is that having people around you, having special people, uh, having uh, God to know that he's got your back. Yeah. uh, I think is can bring peace. I'm just, right. I need to, I'm, I need to have like all the feels, right? Like I've realized mm-hmm. I need to not numb the feelings and the things and the emotions and thoughts. Mm-hmm. I instead need to make myself more receptive to them and just have all the feels out, right? Like have the good cry, um, you know, have, have a little bit of the freak out, let it all come in and just, it's going to pass its way through, right? It's going to, it's going to pass. And then what's left over is some clarity, some reality, Right. And, um, and and a little bit of focus if I just kind of let it all pass through. Absolutely. OK, so Mario asked a question. And just so you guys know, if you change it to everyone, then everyone can see what you're writing. But maybe Mario didn't want it. Anyway, I'm going to read it. What current activities have helped you through the last year in the pandemic? Because so this happened pre pan or right around the pandemic, right around the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, boogers. OK, so then it happens and then how, what, ha, what's, ha, what have you, you started jujitsu, I think, right? Yeah. That's, when did that's you start that? Right, right around that time. Like maybe before? a few months before, a few months before I lost the job, um, I had started doing Brazilian jujitsu. Um, and I love, I, I was like, I love sports. I love competing. I'm super duper competitive. So like if you sit down and play like Monopoly, I'm there for blood. 
like my desire to dominate and decimate at the table. That's the only way we have fun, in my opinion. Um, so, but I, I, I competed in sports in high school. I just like competing. I like that feeling. And um, so I put my kids in jujitsu and literally like three days later, I was like, I'm into. And then I got my wife involved. So all of us do it as a family. Um, and there's something about um, uh, jujitsu is one of the very few like martial arts where you can actually go give a hundred percent, right? Like in, like if you're doing some other sort of martial art, you don't want to kick your sparring buddy so hard that you knock them out. That's like kind of a faux pas, but in jujitsu, like your whole goal is to like tap somebody out, choke them out and make them tap. And you can do that. It's the weirdest feeling. You shake hands after and be like, that was really good. You did when you choked me out like that, like that was really fantastic. Good job. And so you can give all your strength to it. And because it's also a solo kind of activity where it's just me versus a person, me versus myself, me being better than I was yesterday. There's something about that to me that is a metaphor for life and a metaphor for struggle um, that says it's okay to struggle. It's okay to get tapped out. It's okay to feel fear and uh, adrenaline and not know what to do with it. And with enough time, um, you know, the brand new people that come through the door, um, they breathe. That's something that like the black belts will always say is like, be calm, breathe, because it's when you're fir- your very first session, you're like, <sighs> you're hyperventilating, you're grabbing, you're shaking. And you see the other guys are, they're very smooth. They're very calm, you know? And so there's something about learning how to breathe and push through anxiety and strain and struggle and, and knowing we'll try it again. We'll try it again. It'll be okay. Like failure's Okay. So that's something that for me, like metaphorically applied itself to life during the pandemic, things that had to do specifically with the pandemic outside of it, life, family, everything. Um, so that was, I just think that was like a, such a healthy thing for me to have. There's something that was like internal struggle and challenge uh, on a daily or weekly basis. What about the first time you had to tap out? So I watch MMA, which may seem unlikely, but I, yeah. I like sports also. I haven't played it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to play that. You can play, yeah. um, but um, in, I can imagine the first time like there's some sort of pride or you don't want to tap out. Yeah. Uh, did, have you ever heard of this thing called Startup Funeral? Have no. you? Ha- so it, I don't remember where it is, but I'm reading this book by Jordan Rayner called Called to Create. And he talks about uh, it's in Silicon Valley and they have a funeral service for startups that have failed. Gotcha. And it's for them to talk about there's like a priest and I mean, or maybe he's not a real priest, but he looks like a priest and it's in a church and like they have like you have death to the to the startup and other sure. people can. It's kind of like AA for startups who failed. Right. <laughs> I get which I thought was really clever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he came up with it. He just attended it. But I think that there's something about we're supposed to just, um you know, remain positive, keep going, keep going, but tapping out, there is a point where you will pass out, mm, right? Yep. You can, oh, yeah. you, you can, but what, where is it that you're like, I'm tapping out in jujitsu? Cause I also believe that there, this is super like great as a, oh, yeah. a metaphor for life. When is it okay to just say, I can't do this today yeah. or I can't do this anymore. Yeah. There's, there's different points of like getting tapped out. Like there's a point where like, after one or two, uh, we call it, we call it rolls or like sparring sessions. You roll with somebody after one or two of those, like you can just be so physically exhausted by the time you get to the third one, you don't have a lot to give. And this other mm. person's really fresh and they just come in and wipe the floor with you. You're like, Oh my gosh. Or, or 
it's somebody that's evenly matched and they just catch you the right way. And all of a sudden, like they have your collar and they're choking with your own clothing. You're like, <clears throat> right. So what, what I think is the most beautiful thing about it that feels like unlike other things is there is no room to blame anybody else. Right. Uh. Um, which is so interesting. Like, even if you're, um, you're working with clients, you'd be like, well, that client sucked. That client was a bad client. Right. When you're in jujitsu, you're like, I just, I didn't do it. I just wasn't good enough today. Like I, mm. I missed, I missed that move. He's better or she's better than me. Right. So there's no wiggle room for excuses. And it's something so, um, just so refreshing to just be like, guess what? <laughs> like, I have no other excuse besides you got me. You were better than me in that moment. And it's really wonderful. It's a, there's a release there that says, I don't have to come up with a prideful excuse. I don't have to mm. think of what it was. I just get to now hyper-focus on why exactly you're better than me. Why, what exactly you were doing that was better than me? Cause there's no argument there. It's just now it's like, what's that move? Oh, interesting. So uh, I think it's always some- been like that, like positive in a way like that is because you're trying to get, be a better athlete. You're, I'm, you I'm strangely positive. My wife gets frustrated. Like sometimes like things will be happening in her life. I'm like, let's do this. This is okay. She's like, can you shut up and like cry with me? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'll cry with you. But, like my, my <laughs> usual go-to is to be positive about things. And I've just learned this about myself. I've been in, I've been kind of working with a counselor a little bit like lately because uh, I've been feeling a lot of stress and anxiety about life. And he helped me realize that I am catastrophic uh, in nature about myself. I'm positive about everybody else. I'm like, you can do it. That's great. But when things happen to me, I'm like the worst thing ever. This is the worst thing ever. Like nobody, everyone's going to hate me now because of this. And I'm realizing that about myself, but I tend to be very positive about other things um, and about other people for the most part. Uh, Me too. Hello, me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hello, mirror. Here we are talking (laughs) to lunch. Right. Okay. So um, I'm going to get back to the questions, which I haven't really gotten at all. Um, All right. So as people start YouTube, you people don't always. So you have like a a vlog, but then you also um, and maybe this is more recent with the community. You do live streams with them and then you'll also uh, put them up or you I don't know exactly how your live streams go. I've just caught them after. So. But when did you start talking about UX, UI? Were you in the very beginning? Like how, how has content changed over time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my content's evolved with me, right? Because the channel, there's a lot of people who make channels about different things and my content or my channel is kind of on whether you like it or not, it's kind of tied to what I'm experiencing, what I'm learning, what I'm interested in at the time. So it might be a certain tool or a certain process or a certain direction or focus. And right now I'm really hyper-focused on um, like UI and UX design for mobile and desktop applications. So why, why does that like get you going? There's something about, I could actually, I'll tell you the exact moment, but there's something about um, creating things that have, the possibility to impact people on a daily basis. There's something about that call that's really, really interesting to me. It's, I think it's the same reason that I started in print design. I went, I actually really love web because it's iterative. I can come back and fix it. I can tweak it and change it. And then I went from web to more into UI UX, which is I can get metrics and analytics and understand people and de- design things with less guesswork directly for people's needs. And now it's really become mobile because I'm like, I love the fact that people can use this thing and it might impact them. And here's the moment 
that it really um, that it really changed everything. I was still living in Hawaii at the time, and uh, I'd gone to a like a hackathon. I met some people, and we were gonna. Uh, Hawaii has one of the best public transportation systems ever. Like everyone rides the bus. Um, it's really really great. And, but the, the application for it, like on the web and online, it sucks. Like trying to catch um, like connections and stuff. It's horrible. Um, so me and some friends were like, Hey, just for fun, wouldn't it be fun if we designed like our own version of like the buses application? And it was just a passion project for fun. And so I just, they, they were like developers and doing other stuff. And I was like, I'm going to design the whole thing. So I'm designing this mobile. It was really a mobile website. Um, so I was designing this mobile website for it. And I was like, it was all beautiful and like typography. And I was like, Ooh, I'm so proud of myself. And then I rode the home, the, the, I rode the home, I rode the bus home one day and I saw, uh, uh, an older lady, everybody, an older lady in Hawaii, just call them aunties. So I saw this, this auntie on the bus and she's wearing a muumu and like the hat and the whole thing. And she was probably, she couldn't have been less than like 65 years old. And she was trying to look at the current website and get her connection. And I, she had really, really bad eyesight and the bus is bouncing like this. Aww. And I realized that all my tap points were too small. My buttons were too small. The typography was too small because the demographic on the bus was older and they're trying to find their connections like this. And this light bulb went on my head and I was like, I love this. I love her. I love her need. I love her pain point and her problem. And I was just like, stinking eureka like i like this so much and that's when it started shifting more towards ui and ux design because i'm fascinated with people i'm fascinated. like your grandpa you yeah. said be interested yeah i mean that's it that's it i'm kind of i just like i am so fascinated by people if i could if if you said to me jesse what's your idea of a good time on a Wednesday afternoon, besides being on the design recharge like podcast, I'd be like, let's go to the airport, get coffee and people watch. Cause doggone it. Is that the most like interesting thing ever? Cause you can do user experience, like testing and research, just watching people. I'm here's a thing for a while. Um, on my Instagram feed way back in the day, I would just post elevator buttons because I read Don Norman's The Design of Everyday Things. And I got fascinated with door handles and elevator buttons because mm -hmm. you can walk around like a couple of square blocks in a major city and you'll see 35 to 40 different types of elevator buttons. Some of them have arrows. Some of them don't. Some of them have braille on them. Some of them don't. Some of them have one button. Some of them have two. It's fascinating how people try to solve the same problem. And I'm like, Oh, I love that. I like, I'm the weird guy that plays board games and enjoys reading the rules. Like I'm Ooh. that guy. So yeah, I love it. I do. I'll buy a new board. I'll game play with I'll, you. I'll, I'll let you read it. it and then I'll <laughs> play with you. You tell me how to play. Hopefully it'll be real. Yeah. So it, the, for me, when it, when I realized those two worlds could collide, I love visual creativity and problem solving mm -hmm. that way. And I love people and how they think. And I was like, boom, that's it for me. I love that. But you on the bus were not on your phone. You was, on the bus were watching. Yes, that's me on the bus. And so, so much to the point where like, sometimes I'll be watching and people look at me and go like, hey, what are you looking at? Do I owe you money? I'm like, sorry. sorry, sorry. So like, it, ha you know, I just love it. I love it so much. I have, psych I, I, I have psychology textbooks, textbooks back here because I love to read those like on my breaks and stuff. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. How ooh, there's supply. There's one I had when I was in school is called Sensation and Perception, and it was a mm. great psychology book. I still have it. Look at it. I don't right know now. where it is. It's great. Um, but it 
it was a good one. I, I should have named this uh, show Be Interested. Be Interested. But I think that is so one of the things you love is helping people. Yeah. You want to solve the problem, which I think empathy has to be a really big part of that. I actually think that's with all designers. As I teach the kids who say, I like helping people. I'm like, bing, you're going to do great. The kids who are like, I really like art. And this is the only one I could do to make money. And I'm like, okay, well, it may or may not work for you, buddy. (laughs) Best impression (laughs) of a liberal arts artsy fartsy. Well, I'm not sure they sound more Southern, you know, because we're here in Mobile. But but I do think that I get a lot of that. And they they think it's about the pump and the, the, you know, fluffing your feathers and showing everything. But it's really about how you're serving other people. And it is. I do like that about web that it's about communicating how I always think, how can I use you, mm-hmm. not use you in a bad way, but how could I hire you? And I don't even know what you do. Do you, are you trying to be hired to do this? Like, I, I don't know what you say. I just I want it to be clear. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I love that. So how has your business pivoted? So you worked for start, excuse me. I, I, I drank a lot of water at, all day today, but now I'm oh, drinking oh. my diet, Dr. Pepper and is popping back up. Sorry about yep. that. <laughs> at least I'm burping on the inside. I'm not the like, best, Whoa. the best ever. <laughs> this is, this is how it is. This is why I only have a thousand subscribers. Probably it's not true. People just don't know the greatness of, of having a conversation <laughs> with you. It's awesome. Anyway, um, I am not trying to be anybody but me. But um, how? Because I think it changed. It changes, and you've talked about you even your your YouTube channel. It changes as you change. It evolves as you evolve. And it's like you're bubbling up with, oh, my gosh, did you know blank or, you know, and you're like, then you have to share it. But where how about how your business, because sometimes it's easier to do it on your YouTube channel because you're controlling that you get to if you want to do a vlog one week or you want to do a a teaching something or whatever. But when you're with clients and you have a client that is hiring you to do blank and now you're like, oh, I just learned this. Now we need to do, or how do you, how has it pivoted? Can you kind of take us like from 2009 to? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think like the idea of evolution is that there is a need that starts to arise and that you evolve to meet that need. Right. And for, in in my case, that evolution is evolution of interest and Mm -hmm. kind of niching down of where my skill sets tend to serve best. Um, So they started out like, I'll make anything. I'll make grungy, horrific, like band flyers. Like, let's go to um, at this point in like my freelance business. I'm trying to, I'm kind of, I'm pretty much doing it. Marketing really my- confident there, Jesse. I am. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, I am. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm still taking the flyer every once in a while. Let's be honest. Where I'm, I'm not saying I got. Sometimes you got to have some fun with the yeah, flyer. Absolutely. But but uh, I'm taking a I'm taking a crazy like curveball every once in a while. But for the most part, it is. Um, startups and entrepreneurs, um, and I'm kind of kind of latching myself on as the creative arm for them. So not I'm kind f- of you are. You I are am. Latch- right? yeah, yeah, you are. I'm, you've made that. I'm making. I've made this leap to say I do UI and UX design for startups and entrepreneurs because I love the way that entrepreneurs think. I love the way that startups thrive and I love and know the challenges that are there, those types of challenges excite me. It's not to say 
that somebody, if somebody comes to me and says, I mean, I just did one recently, you know, Hey, we're trying to rework our blog. Can you do like this website design for us to rework our blog? Sure. I can do that. I just did that one. No problem. But does it excite me as much as somebody saying our users are abandoning our cart and we don't know why. Can you help us? I go, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to help you fix that for them so they have an enjoyable experience, right? So just re- just recently, I'm like, I, I, I wrote the people at Twitter. I'm like, I love you guys. I've done workshops with you guys and for you guys. You're frustrating me right now because I tried to post something on Dribble the other day and there's two bright pink call to action buttons right next to each other. One of them says upload and one of them says continue once you're in the middle process of posting something to dribble and I'll start uploading. I'll write this whole thing and then I'll click upload by accident and it starts the whole thing over. And I almost flipped my desk over and I'm like, how dare you do that to me? Right. So I'm like, that's the, I see those problems and I'm like, Ooh, I want to fix those. So these they've evolved as my interests have evolved and kind of niched down a little bit more. So that's what I would say. Like uh, it's the reason you take like electives, right. In like junior high, you do a little bit of home ec, you do some shop, you do some of this, you do some of that. And then you realize I really like this thing. So next year, I'm going to take that course all year long because I love it. So that's the same thing for me. I feel like a lot of my life was electives, figuring what those are, and then going, I realize what I really, really love. And I'm going to start to kind of, you know, focus more on that. Okay. I love that. Okay. So as it's pivoted, has it been hard to niche? And what was the hold back? Like, oh, you know, like, you know what I mean? You get worried. You're like, if I say I do this, how about only three people? I know you're in Austin. There's lots of startups in Austin and I'm sure you don't work for just people in Austin, but there's, it can be scary. So how did you overcome that? I needed to see an example of somebody doing it. So it doesn't matter how many podcasts I've listened to of people niching down or, or being more specific or whatever it is. Like, I just like, I hear you. I hear you. Does that really work? And then I was in a mastermind for about a year and a half um, with a fantastic group of people. And my friend uh, from that mastermind, her name is Sarah Dunn. And she has a company called Sarah Does SEO. And uh, she does SEO for the wedding industry. That's it. She does SEO for wedding photographers, wedding venues, wedding planners, only for that niche like group. And when I was talking to her, like her efficiency, like her knowledge mm. and efficiency and ability to go, I know exactly what you need. Cause I just did three other wedding photographers, like SEO site packages last month. I was like, bow, 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 bow. my mind is like blowing, right? Like just blowing up right now with her level of confidence and excitement and efficiency and progress in building her business. So uh, to see it happen so successfully and go, um, I see the fears there. And I feel my own fear of, oh my gosh, if I just, if I say no to this website or say no to that, whatever project, I'm limiting the amount of income I'm bringing in. But at the same time, I'm maximizing my value, my knowledge of this thing over here that I really want to do and love to do. So, um, that for me, it's the confidence I've seen in other people. And as I've started to do it, as I'm doing it, I'm seeing the fruit of it. And I'm, I'm feeling the confidence of being able to say no to either fire clients or say no to clients. I'm like, I kind of like that feeling. That's kind of nice. And go, that's not for me. Sorry, I can't do that right now. I'm doing these other things. Um, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really I, fun. I love it. So we've talked about how your business has changed and evolved as you've evolved and grown. 
but it's also um, I wanted to ask you about your mission and or vision, if that's been consistent and then because that sometimes can be changed and then about purpose and how because sometimes purpose and vision and mission, vision and mission might be more similar. And then purpose is more of like Jesse's purpose on on the world, on the world, on the world, uh, in the, whatever, you know what I mean? In life, on the world, in Let's life, go. on yeah. the world. It'll be a new bumper sticker. Um, but how can you talk about has so as your business pivots, did your mission and vision pivot? I, I don't think so. Right. I think as business or focus, you know, kind of like pivots a little bit or evolves, I think the mission is really, it's still the same, right? It's to, it's to be a light that so shines in the world that other people see how I do things, how I operate, how I smile through disaster, how I go on vacations through firings and how I handle clients and to do all of those things and go, that's interesting. What is that? And I go, yeah, it's not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. Um, and I want to do that in everything. Like I, my, my hope and prayer is that people see the way that I, I love my kids and love my wife and go, that's not him. Or the way that I enjoy doing work, the type of work that I do and go, interesting, that's not him. So that's my hope. My, my, my mission is that. Um, the way that it plays out has maybe shifted and changed. Like I said, I'm just coming off a season where I was doing full-time vocational ministry and kind of part-time business. And I realized through talking to some wise people and, and spending a lot of time praying through it that, you know, I'm, I think I'm actually built the other way. Like, I feel like by no skill of my own, I really believe it. Um, God's given me some sort of platform, like 180 something thousand people have come to my YouTube channel and click that little button. I don't know what that's about. I'm just going to keep being me, like you said, but I don't want to, I don't want a ministry that is my platform. I want a platform that becomes my ministry. I want my life to be ministry. I want everything I do to be a form of ministering to people, loving people. Um, so that's really my hope and my mission. Um, the way in which I execute that, I, I feel like that can shift and change, right? The, uh, the calling and the, and the, the direction of that can change, but the caller doesn't change. So when, what was life like before then, before you, before you met Jesus? Um, what was, what was purpose or your mission then? Self-satisfaction, I mm. would say. And then self-satisfaction gets blurred really, really easily with satisfying other people and being mm. a people pleaser. That's I'm naturally a people pleaser. That's why it's so hard for me to say to clients, say no to clients if they come to me, but I've had to train myself, train myself because I'm not naturally built that way. Um, and that was really dangerous for me in those early years of life because um, I want to be happy. And I feel like if I can be what you want me to be, then mm. I'll be happier. And that's just a self-defeating spiral down to unhappiness, which is where I ended up really. Um, and when I realized that Jesus had made me to be the way that he wants me to be, and that it's altogether different and subtracted from the world. So um, situation can change. Circumstances can differ. Uh, job, all that stuff can shift and change. And then my countenance uh, my joy doesn't have to change because it's altogether abstracted. It's it's somewhere else. It's with him. Um, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm not pleasing people and I'm not pleasing myself. God wants me. He sowed things into me to be pleasing to him. And he's not waiting for some future version of me to love me. He just loves me right now. Right. Mm. Um, he, he's loving me through my imperfection. I'm like, well, that's really encouraging. Right. Because the other way around is I'm trying to hit the ceiling and 
everyone's telling me I'm perfect the way I am. I'm like, well, why am I not happy then? Versus there is no ceiling. Jesus is the ceiling. Like keep shooting for it. And when you fall short, he loves you. I'm like, holy smokes. Like I could just keep shooting. I could just keep going higher and like, and it's fun and there's no stopping. I'm like, well, that's way better. And I can be realistic about why I'm not like jujitsu. I can be realistic to the point of things, why I'm not getting there. I'm like, cool. Like then there's no reason for me to not keep shooting, you know? So that's for mm-hmm. me, the difference between then and now. So it seems like even jujitsu from in your business, how you handle problems, um, efficiency is really important and empathy. It seems even as a kid, do you think you were, if you were trying to do things efficiently and even as a kid, do you think you had a high level of empathy? I think as a kid, I had a high level of empathy. I think the maturity thing that's had to happen, the maturing process is to figure out I'm not a systems driven person. I'm not a efficient person out of the box. I'm a roll with the punches, vision cast kind of dude, right? I'm, I'm a roll up with two bu- bullets in the gun and hope for the best, right? So I've had to mature into figuring out systems and processes because I know I've realized um, that the people who are really successful at what they do are, uh, have taken the time to create systems and processes and they're not reactionary to everything. So that's, that one's my challenge. And the other one's the thing that comes naturally to me. And I think if I can figure out the challenge of the system driven thing and match it to my strengths, um, and that might even include, I need to delegate like right now, like I'm, I'm hiring like a personal assistant, like I'm delegating like video editing and certain social media aspects to other people. I'm hiring them to do that. They're not doing them the ways that I would do them. Like the guy that edits my video, I'm like, oh, it's like the color correction and the, uh, I could, I'll just take it back. But if I take it back, I'll never scale and I'll never achieve the things I want to because I'm, I'm holding them too tight. So I'm learning how to lead by delegating, releasing, um, relinquishing control and then trying to focus on the things that I do well. Um, and I'm hoping that that starts to build into those processes. You ever have a hard time with that and be like, well, I don't want to bother you, but oh I didn't God. like the color correction. Oh do you ha- Or do you like, oh, I'm just going to suck it up. I'm I don't so want this bad be- at this, Diane, that like if my, if my video editor sends something back to me that I don't like, I feel I have to struggle with this. And I failed a a couple of times where instead of writing him back and going, actually fix this, fix that, that's not quite right and change the color. I'll just go, okay, good job. And I'll pay him. And then I'll open up Premiere Pro and edit it again myself. It's like, cause I'm a people pleaser. And I'm like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Like I'll eat the burger that's not cooked the way I asked you to cook it because I don't want you to feel bad. (laughs) Okay. So I have a helmet. I've I just retiled a closet and I've thought about this a lot because I also have done this. I'm like, well, it's good enough. It'll be fine. I'll just go ahead and I'll just put this over to the side and I'll just go ahead and do this. And, and I love people who are pro and then they're like, well, Diane, this is what you could have done to make it better. And, and so I, I love, but what I, what I have a hard time doing is exactly. And I've thought about this because I've seen my helmet, my snowboarding helmet on the ground. I'm like, every time I want to do that, like, Oh, I'll just do it. I feel like I just need to put the helmet on because clearly I am. (laughs) I'm needing a helmet because someone should hit me in the head because I have paid them to do this and it's okay. I'm okay. If somebody doesn't like everything I've done, I want it to work for them. Mm -hmm. 
but why do I think other people are so sensitive? Right. Yeah. I mean, if somebody, again, that's back to my catastrophic thing, right? Like I'm like, if somebody sent work back to me, it was like, Ooh, it's not quite right. Tweak it, change it. I'd be like, you got it. Absolutely. No problem. Exactly. I want it to, I want it to accomplish the vision. But if somebody sends something to me, I'm like, Oh gosh, they're just going to think I'm the worst tyrant, just a dictator. And they're going to hate me. Right. Versus establishing healthy boundaries and expectations Mm. Of, of And that's, again, part of the system thing, right? It's like, I need to send somebody something with clear expectations. This is what's going to be. This is what it's not going to be. Like, you want to talk about evolution. My contracts have changed, like when I freelance with clients now, to include, this is what it is definitely. This is what it not is. This is not what you're going to get. Definitely understand that. You will not be getting X, Y, and Z. Don't expect those things because I've gotten into way too many problems where I'm like, put the helmet on, smack me. I did it again. Where they come back and they'll go, well, we thought you were going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, Ugh, great. I'm sorry. I didn't clarify it. Right. So I've had to learn how to like over communicate, be really good with setting expectations because nobody else is going to set them except for me if I'm the one that has them. Okay. Right? So, so I, I know we don't have a ton of time, but is yeah. this stuff like what you're talking about right now, setting expectations and contracts and working with clients, is this stuff you're covering in the community? Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that and why you wanted to start a community? Sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I'll say, I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't think I'm, I'm special, like in any way, shape or form, but I do think for some reason people find me helpful and I want to be helpful to people. And I can only scale myself and my time so much. So I wanted to start, I, I launched a community because I'm launching courses. I'm launching some products that I think will help people. But one of the biggest things for me and Mario's in the, he, he was here for a little while. He still is, I think, has been mentorship, has been having somebody just, all it takes is somebody to look over my shoulder and go, no, 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 no. Think, have you, are you thinking about it this way? That's it. It's literally to ask, ask me questions back and have me rethink about it from a different perspective. So I want to be able to offer people my perspective on things that might be different from their perspective. Cause that's what's shifted and shaped me in my life and my career. So I started this community. Um, I have a big, like a free discord. Does it have server. A name? Well, it's really just, if you go to just learn.jessyshowalter.com, it's just my members club. I just call it Jesse's members club, but I have a discord server, like a creative community called Hey Creative. It's kind of part of it. That's free. I want everybody to join that because I just want people to hang out. I just want rad people to hang out. And so you can go like on my on my website and, and see all about it. Um, and you can just enter into that Discord server for free. But there's also kind of deeper levels of access where I'm going to do weekly office hours. I'm going to do monthly live hangout video hangouts with my members so that we can do client uh, client and designer role play. We can answer questions. I can review their portfolios and give them my insights. And it blows my mind because again, there's that self-confidence thing where I'm like, is this really helpful to anybody? I had a gal the other day um, who entered the membership community. We had office hours and a live video hangout. I did a review of her portfolio. And then she went out and she got her first paying job because we walked through like client or uh, interview process for her to do her first job interview. She goes, I got the job because they asked me the exact questions you told me they were going to ask you, ask me. And I, re I changed my portfolio and they said, we love how you walked us through your portfolio. You're hired. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the, like the tears like came down my face. I just like freaked out. So I'm really excited 
um, not to give myself to people, but to bring people together in closer forms of community. Cause I think iron sharpens iron. I'm a, tr- I'm a firm believer in that. So I don't, I don't want to be the piece of iron. I just want to be a piece of iron. I'm not the fount of all knowledge, just a little teeny tiny bit. And I want everybody else's and I want them to have mine. So that's mm-hmm. the whole idea about creating the, the community. Okay. So I just want to make sure if anybody's listening, just so you know, if, or if you're watching on YouTube later, it's, um, I have put it in the chat if you're here live, but it'll be at the top, all these things. And you can't, you're launching two courses. Yep. One is in September and then one is later in the fall and yep. you, um, uh, TBD exactly, but you can go to learn dot Jesse, J E S S E show Walter S H O W A L T E R.com slash freelance hyphen UI hyphen UX. Mm-hmm. I always yep. say UX first. Is that wrong? Am I wrong? They're, I say them, however, because <laughs> I don't think there's a right way or wrong way. Um, I, it's true. Sometimes it's UX UI. Sometimes it's UI UX. I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I it's like, is there, together. it's like, Tomato, tomato kind of. I've heard pretty good uh, arguments that there's no such thing as a UI UX designer. You do UX design and you do UI design. They're two separate disciplines that you bring together that marry well, like a horse and carriage. Um, so I've heard people correct me on that, but I'm like, that's nitpicky in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I, I didn't even think about it, that, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I must have been saying it wrong this whole time. Oh, you know, it's the... <laughs> yeah. Technically, um, the experience should should come before the interface. So I guess you could. But do you're UX alphabetical. You're, you're being That's alphabetical. True. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm launching. I have a, a big surprise course. I can't talk about it yet, but it's in partnership with a really large design community. It's hopefully launching in September. It's going to be a course all about introduction to product design, covering like soup to nuts, everything from what the heck is product design to like wireframings, user diet, flow diagrams, lo-fi, like high resolution, everything all the way to actually handing things off to developers and engineering teams. So that's in September. Is that uh, when, if we sign up for that learn.jessyshowalter.com slash freelance hyphen UI hyphen UX, mm-hmm. we would, you will tell us if we get on be, that list. Yeah, you'll be signed up for us. my newsletter guaranteed from okay. that. And you'll get a notification, an email newsletter blast that comes out and tells you when that course is launching. And then in uh, November, December timeframe, I'm launching an entire different course. That's how to be a freelance UI UX or UX UI, however you want to say it, but a freelance UI UX designer, because that's what I'm doing right now. And it's, there's some differences just between, between being like a freelance web designer, there's some differences in this realm. So I talk about like my process of finding clients, landing clients, billing, all that kind of stuff into the actual like process of being a hired gun in the UI and UX space and then delivering things. So that's, it's kind of be kind of this fun blend of freelance and like mobile UI stuff. I love that. Okay. And, and they can find you at YouTube at Jesse show Walter, and then pretty much anywhere else. It's I am Jesse show. Yep. I am Jesse show. I try to keep it nice and short. Jesse, um, like you spell it, not Jesse McNeese. Which yeah. We had a little J E S S E. That's the way That's I do right. that one. <laughs> You're like, I'm not in New York. I'm like, she's in New York <laughs> anyway. Uh uh, Jesse, thank you. We didn't get through all of them, but how about if you did um, uh, really quick, uh, what is your greater purpose? Uh, my greater purpose is uh, just to glorify Jesus in not, doesn't even have to be the big things. It just be the simple things. I, I, I just want to, um, I want to be a, a light that points people to him 
And that could be as simple as um, how I honor my commitments, uh, how I hug my kids, um, how I encourage a friend, uh, and, and sometimes even how I build websites and applications. So I want it to be in all things. Okay. And then last question is, how do you recharge and what inspires you? I know Ooh. that's two questions. Clearly, I can't count. That's good. How do I recharge? What inspires me? I actually recharge. A lot. I'm an extrovert. I talk with my hands, I'm a big storyteller. I need to get alone. Um, I need to like be still. Um, I like to read a lot of books. I thought you said get alone. I'm like, you need to go to the bank. No, like, I get, that's I need what to get, I heard. Be alone. I know, get alone. I, I like. I need to go be by myself for a little bit and recharge. Um, I like to sit on this leather couch back here, read a book, um, like have a really like nice glass of like whiskey. And, and just like, try to be really still. I, a lot of my life is spent doing, doing, doing. And so I need moments of ultimate not doing to like mm. kind of offset that. I agree. I like to mow. I have four acres and I have a riding mower. It's like a go-kart. You I have a riding mower too. It's so fun. A zero turn. No, I'm not that fancy. Jesse, it is a go-kart. <laughs> it's low and I can go fast. And my husband doesn't care if I mess up the yard. Like I, you know, spin out. And anyway, yeah. it's the best a zero turn. Next time you should get next a zero time. turn next time. Anyway, it's way better than a steering wheel. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean it like my friend, Dustin, he got a, he has five acres and got or whatever. And he got a, a lawnmower. And I'm like, did you get a zero turn? He's like, no, I'm like, oh. you know, when it's like you tell your friends this amazing thing, but it's different. It's I different. just didn't know. Now I know because we moved here from Hawaii and nobody has a lawn in Hawaii. And then I got here and I have you like need half, scissors. half an acre up back. And I was like, I need something and I'm not pushing no thing. So I'm like, I'm getting a ride on thing. But now I know zero turn. You need to just go practice uh, on something and you will be. It literally is the best. But that's what I do. I listen to podcast or read and I um, or I get. I get online with people that recharges me also because I am also an extrovert. Jesse, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. You are amazing and I appreciate just your inspiring. Thank you for being you. Keep being you. Don't try to do anything else. Just um, if you have to look at the numbers, then um, just just look at them. And remember, I only have a thousand. So just think, hey, I'm at least a hell of a lot further along than Diane is. <laughs> I appreciate the encouragement. Thanks, Diane. Hey, Thanks for having me. Every person, every person makes a difference, right? It's true. Absolutely anyway, true. And good luck with your community. And you guys, I hope you guys will join in. And I can't wait to take the class. So right. I always need to learn more. So Jesse, thank you. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys next week with Rachel Zampino. Also, that's how we're ending up our web focused month. So I will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, Jesse.